Amen. For God's holy word, we'll turn to Luke chapter 1. This is God's holy and infallible word. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts even to the bone and to the marrow. It even divides the intents and thoughts of our hearts. And because God's word is holy and powerful, and we need to honor God's word, let's stand together as we read this portion of Holy Scripture, starting at verse 67, Luke 1, 67. Speaking of John the Baptist's father here, it says, And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high shall visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child continued to grow and to become strong in spirit, and he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, help us in receiving this, your word, to receive it believing, to receive it rejoicing, and also that you would use this word to convict us of sin, to convict us of holiness and righteousness, to convict us of the only way of salvation through Jesus, our holy Lord. Build us up unto a holy faith, we pray, through this, your holy word. For We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. I was thinking of all of the wonderful words uh, we could use to describe what God has done for us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Saved. Atoned for. I mean, God uh, atoned for our sins through Christ our Lord. He redeemed us. He forgave us. He delivered us. He justified us. Scripture talks about uh, God as being the great physician who has healed us. He's healed us of a, of a wicked heart and given us a new heart. And he's done surgery, a spiritual surgery that was more desperate than any other healing that we might need. He's taken out that heart of stone and given us, us a heart of flesh. But today's text gives us a word that you don't hear much in reference to the Holy Gospel and the work of Christ. He rescued us. 
And we'll look a little bit at this beautiful concept of the work of Christ and salvation on our behalf. In today's text, this is a prophecy given by God uh, to Zacharias by the Holy Spirit. Um, it's Zacharias, again, is the father of John the Baptist. You remember Zacharias was in the temple. He was chosen by Lot to go and to worship in the temple and to, to offer the incense. And then, lo and behold, there is the angel Gabriel in his midst. He was afraid, of course, but then the angel said, Don't be afraid, and he gave him a revelation. He said, you and your wife are going to have a child. Well, Zacharias is wondering, how can I have a child? And my wife have a child. We're both advanced in years. My wife Elizabeth is advanced in years. How can this be? Well, the angel says, well, I'm, I'm the angel Gabriel who dwells in the presence of God. And it's going to happen. And because you did not believe my word, you're going to be mute until all this comes to pass. So he can't speak. He's mute for the whole pregnancy. And then after John is born, he's still mute. His voice does not come back until eight days after the child is born when he's being circumcised. They want to, circ- they want to name the child Zacharias after his father. And of course, Zacharias can't speak up for himself. So they, they give him, he's like, oh, no, 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 no. So they give him a, a, something to write on, and then he writes, his name is John. Well, no one's ever name no one in your family's ever used his name john why john well then the the lord opens his mouth and loosens his tongue it says it opened he opened his mouth and loosened his tongue and he began to speak and to praise god and of course his name was going to be john and then what follows uh, later on is this beautiful prophecy by the holy spirit when they're wondering, everybody is wondering what in the world is, is going to happen. God's hand is upon this family, upon Elizabeth, upon Zacharias, and especially upon this child. And they're wondering what will then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly upon him. That's when we find in verse 67, his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and uttered this prophecy. We'll focus entirely upon this prophecy here under uh, the goal of seeing how it is God who calls you to be rescued through Jesus Christ. You are to receive God's rescue in Christ. We'll see this in two main points. Uh, You need to be rescued. And secondly, receive Christ's rescue. Let's, Let's look at this first main point. You need to be rescued. Now, contrary to popular opinion, you cannot pull up yourselves from your bootstraps or by your bootstraps. Now, I studied ergonomics and I studied body mechanics, and there are a lot of ways to get up when you fall, but one of the ways is not by pulling up on your boots. Even if you add straps to them, it still won't work. You have to kind of, the easiest way is to roll over and then get on hands and knees and then lift one leg up and then work your way up that way, but not pulling yourself up in your bootstraps. It's such a stupid saying. It's like saying, I'm going to pull myself to the ceiling by my belt. Try that sometime and see how it works. It's ridiculous. I think what it's getting at, this statement is, you know, if you fall down, get up on your own. Don't ask for help. Be self-sufficient. Be independent. Pull yourself up. Get yourself up. Don't look for the help of others. Well, sometimes you do fall. You break a bone. 
you get a head injury, concussion, you might even get impaled if you fall on something. There are times you do need desperate help to get up. From a spiritual standpoint, all mankind has fallen in our first parents because of our first parents. We have fallen and we desperately need divine help from God to get upright and to be in an acceptable position in the standing of God. It cannot happen apart from divine help. In our assurance of pardon earlier, we read from Psalm 51, and, and David's confessed, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin my mother conceived me. He's not saying here that his mother was immoral when she conceived him. He's speaking about, by the Holy Spirit, that he's born with a corrupt nature, just like every other son and daughter of Adam and Eve. Westminster Confession of uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism uh, 17 says, The fall brought all of mankind into an estate of sin and misery. Now, this prophecy tells us about all of the wonderful things that will happen in the coming Messiah, who hasn't been born yet, but the things that will happen in the work of the coming Messiah. But because these things are accomplished in the work of the coming Messiah, these, we could say, are the needs that we have according to today's text. And let's look at these needs that we have. It says what we need, redemption. Verse 68. We need salvation. Verses 68 and 71. We need the knowledge of salvation. Verse 77. We need God's covenant mercy. Verses 72 and 78. Now, closely related to salvation, we need to be rescued from the hand of our enemies. Um, There's mention of rescuing from the hand of our enemies. There's also being saved from the hand of our enemies. Um, We need forgiveness from sin. We need God's light to guide our feet into the way of peace. Verse 79. Witnessing all of these needs... I think you could agree that we desperately need the help of God. It's Christian humility to cry out to God, help me, save me. I am poor and needy. I need to be saved. I need to be rescued. Apart from Christ, you're like an injured person on a sinking ship with no life preserver, with no rescue boat. And what are you going to do? You have to cry out for a rescue. Otherwise, you are going to sink with the ship and die. This hymn writer, Robert Robertson, um, he was first convinced of the Holy Gospel and of his need to devote his life to Christ after hearing a sermon from George Whitfield. And that sermon was entitled, The Wrath to Come. The reason we need to be rescued is because there is a coming wrath. In Matthew 3, that's in your outline there, Matthew 3, 7, many years after this event, the son of Zacharias, John the Baptist, preached on the wrath to come. He preached that the coming Messiah would gather his wheat into his barn, but will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. 
If you are destined to be burned up with unquenchable fire, or if you're concerned that could be you that's going to be blown by the wind and then burned in the fire, wouldn't you need to cry out for rescue? Cry out to God to rescue you. Earnestly ask Him that He would spare you of the eternal, unquenchable fire of hell. You will never be rescued unless you cry out. If you do not cry out in faith to be rescued, you will not be rescued. If you think that you are fine the way that you are, that you are a good person not needing the work of the Holy Gospel or not needing Jesus Christ, you will perish. This blessed um, holy prophecy that is given here tells about Jesus Christ to come as the only source of rescue, the only salvation and the only hope that we have, that we must seek for rescue. Let's look at the second main point. Receive Christ's rescue. So Zacharias' prophecy here came in the context of the birth of his son. His son was only eight days old. His son John, however, uh, is not the main focus of this prophecy. He does mention him as having a secondary, not a primary, but a secondary glorious privilege. Look at verses 76 through 77. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. As a prophet of the Most High, he's preparing a way for the Most High. Jesus Christ, when he came on earth, never was called the Most High God, but he probably would have not been opposed to that title, being called the Most High God. Because he says here, in, in this text, that he's preparing a way for the Lord. That's Yahweh, the divine great I Am. Jesus says that before Abraham was, I am. So when Jesus Christ came on earth, he is the very God of heaven, both God and man. The Holy Spirit revealed next what Zacharias, uh, the Holy Spirit revealed to Zacharias what God would accomplish through his Messiah. Look at verses uh, 68 through 69. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. Now, most literally, if you take this word visited us, it really should be better translated looked upon. That's the literal translation. He, he looked upon us. And in the context here, he looked upon us with divine mercy and holy favor in giving us his son, Jesus Christ. He looked upon his people with that holy mercy. His people needed to be redeemed from an estate of sin and misery and then brought into an estate of salvation by a redeemer. Therefore, the only way that God was going to save his people is by sending a redeemer Namely, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. 
The Redeemer here is described as a horn of salvation in, or you could say from, the house of David, his servant. He had to be of the lineage of the descent of David, and he was. Uh, That's why it later became known that a messianic title, Son of David. Whenever you read that in your Bible, Son of David, especially in... um, Another particular gospel, or later on in the gospel of uh, Luke, in Luke 18, there's one crying out unto, unto Jesus for mercy. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. He's basically acknowledging Jesus, holy Messiah, because son of David is a title for Messiah, because that was, it was known that he was to be a son of David. Jesus himself says that he is both David's son and David's Lord. By the Holy Spirit, Zacharias said that uh, how this Messiah was coming was foretold of old through the holy prophets. In uh, verses 70 through 71, he's actually citing Psalm 106. And he says, As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Um, That's his... uh, parallel to verse 74 in today's text, which also says this, uh, says in, in verse 74, to grant us that we being rescued from the hands of our enemies might serve him without fear. It's a parallel uh, translation of, of this Psalm 106, verse 10. You know, the, the, those who were in the, in the Jewish leadership, maybe the high priests, the Pharisees and Sadducees who hated the Roman occupation, they had a notion of what they wanted their Messiah to be. They wanted a, an almighty military leader Messiah who would deliver them from the hand of their enemies, the Romans, that he would make them an independent nation again. Not under, not under oppression. I think that desire was much too small. Much too small. Because Jesus didn't come to deliver us just from the Romans. Which, what would that matter in the United States anyway, right? What, revel, what, what relevance would Jesus delivering us from the Romans have for us living in the United States? But he came to deliver us from the world, the flesh, and the devil. And in his good time, he dealt with Rome anyway, and by his sovereign hand, he, he brought down that rod of iron, and he, he broke up the empire of the Roman, uh, the Roman Empire. Uh, no longer is there a great Roman Empire that has sway over uh, a, a huge portion of the world. Now, again, pointing out how God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, of, of, from of, of old, uh, verse 79, Zacharias, he's actually citing here uh, Isaiah 9-2, saying, The Messiah was to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, if you have a New American Standard, it's very beneficial here that you have uh, the all caps when it's in all caps, it means that it's a quotation, a direct quotation from the Old Testament, uh, or at least the Septuagint, a Septuagint translation of the Old Testament. But here, 
Notice he says, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. That's the quotation. But then he elaborates on it by the Holy Spirit working in him. To guide our feet into the way of peace. That's the words there of Zacharias. But if you didn't have that feature of the all caps translation in the English, you wouldn't know what was the word given to Zacharias that was new and what actually came from Isaiah 9-2. The only way to have peace with God is to be reconciled. And as sinners in the sight of God, God's wrath rests upon all those who do not have Jesus Christ as their means of reconciliation. If Jesus Christ is not your propitiation, that is the one who has taken the wrath of God due unto you, you cannot have peace with, the, with God. You must first have yourself reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. He is that only way to find peace with God. And he's the only way to find peace in this life as well. The coming of the Lord Jesus was the fulfillment of God's covenant promises to Abraham. Look at verses 72 to 73. To show mercy toward our fathers, that's the patriarchs, uh, to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he spoke to Abraham, our father. He spoke an oath to Abraham. He promised that he would multiply his seed greatly, even that the nations would be blessed through Father Abraham. And that's fulfilled through seed, singular, the coming seed, Jesus Christ, who we know has already come. But it's through Jesus Christ the promises made to Abraham have extended, not just to Israel, but to the entire world. The, every nation that holds the gospel true, that believes this holy gospel, has the blessing promised to Abraham through that holy seed of Abraham, Jesus our Lord. Today's text speaks of us as needing an enlightenment to receive this holy promise given to Abraham our father. Verse 78 says, Because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. Now, if you've remembered what it was like to dwell in darkness and unbelief, maybe you remember the first day you, you began to understand the Holy Gospel. It's like someone turned the lights on. It's like a sunrise in your life. Of course, a sunrise is not like turning a light on. When you turn the light on, it's like instant Sunrise is gradual. And sometimes that's how God enlightens us. Like with the beginning of the breaking of dawn, you first begin to understand, but then the full sun of revelation comes up and you really truly understand the work of God. It's like the sunrise from on high. And we need that enlightenment by the work of the Holy Spirit. We should pray for that work for our unsaved loved ones, that in a like fashion that the sun would rise, that the light would come unto them. For those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, that they would see the sun rise from on high through Jesus our Lord. Unless God enlightens them and gives them the light and the path to the way of peace, they will not come. But we must earnestly pray that God would cause that to happen. In today's text, notice, you first 
must realize your need to be rescued before you can be rescued. Apart from Christ, you are like a dying man on a sinking ship with no way of rescue. You can't even get up to get to cast yourself off into the sea because you, you're dying. But worse than that, you're, on a die, you're dying on a ship, but you're under the crosshairs. Someone's got their crosshairs on you. And really, the thing that we need rescuing from, most of all, is the wrath of God. And God's crosshairs in inflicting his arrows of wrath do not miss. If God's wrath is upon you because of your sin and, and wickedness and unbelief, you desperately need to be rescued. And the only source of rescue that can be obtained is through Jesus Christ our Lord. When the crosshairs of God's holy wrath are to be inflicted upon you, Jesus steps in the way and takes those arrows of wrath. When Robert Robertson wrote, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, he says, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. He interposed not just his blood, his, his entire body. That those arrows of the wrath of the Father were inflicted upon him as a propitiation that you would not have to suffer that death. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God, well it says, He, the Father, made Him, that is the Son, who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's what God did for us through Jesus our Lord. Why wouldn't you accept this work? Why would you say, I don't need it? I don't need Him. That is an insult above all insults and a sin of a wicked heart of unbelief. Receive the rescue that can only happen through Jesus our Lord. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we pray that you would help us to receive that rescue that you have for us in Jesus Christ our Lord. We thank you that you have brought your Son, that you have caused him to interpose his precious blood and his precious body to take the wrath due unto us. Forgive us for neglecting this holy gospel. Forgiving us, forgive us for neglecting this blessed means of grace that you've given to us in Christ our Lord. Help us, we pray, to earnestly seek him and to rejoice as those whom we can be assured of that full and sure and steadfast rescue that we have through Jesus our Lord. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. For a hymn of dedication, let's turn to 294, 294, and we'll stand and sing the song of Zechariah.